Get ready to rumble. Shilling Show Unleashed on the Seven Thunders Media Network. Former city councilor, husband, father, and community watchdog. Your host, Rob Schilling. Welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Remember, your direct support makes our show possible, and you can directly support this podcast by visiting shillingshow.com and then clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page to make the a Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Welcome, we appreciate Agresti, the president of Just Facts, a research and educational institute dedicated to publishing rigorously documented facts about public policy issues. And today's topic: electric cars are not zero-emission vehicles. And Jim Agresti, welcome to the Schilling Show Unleashed podcast. Rob, it's an honor. I want to talk, first of all, about the push into EVs. I don't have an EV. I have no inclination to get one, but I feel like I'm being pushed. Am I imagining that? (laughs) No, and they're pushing you with your own money, right? They're subsidizing these um, with federal funds and state and local funds on top of that. Sometimes they can be quite uh, quite a large amount of money in excess of $10,000 once you add the state and local funds plus they're subsidizing it along the way down in the manufacturing side and now California require all new vehicle sales by 2035 to be what they call zero emission vehicles like electric cars but that very phrase is actually a farce yeah, this is really interesting. As a former Californian, I look back and I'm so glad that I left almost 25 years ago. But there are a lot of issues with the California ban. I'm going to take one right off the bat is that there is a lack of charging infrastructure. I've been in California traffic before. I know people who used to commute for two hours one way in the morning. How is this ever going to work? Yeah, but that, that is a really good question. Because what happens if you say, well, I have this capacity, but you get delayed? Or you have to, you know, you got an emergency phone call. Hey, you, your, your kid's in the hospital, but you don't have enough charge. You cannot just stop and fill up a charge in, in two minutes like gasoline. So there are logistical problems. And, and as we all know, California's grid can't handle the electricity that it demands right now. Now they're going to uh, ramp this up for electric cars. This is a, uh, requires a lot of power. And the grid is not ready. The supply to the grid is not ready. And it's not going to be an easy transition. And, and I'm not sure they'll be able to pull it off. There'll definitely be pain along the way. But even if there is that pain, I don't think they're going to get there. You know, California has developed into one of the highest poverty states in America because of all of the mandates and the big government there. And a lot of people with money have left. This brings up another problem, Jim, the cost of these vehicles, and they're getting more expensive, not less expensive, because of the cost of the minerals required. So how are they going to deal with that? That's what the way they've been doing it, throw money at it, and what they don't do is pay for it, so it goes into debt. And that actually works its way back to the economy. And this is one of the reasons we're seeing the massive inflation we're seeing right now. There's no free lunch. Now, when you get, a, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you look at the price of an apple and you go, 
holy cow, this is ridiculous. Who are you going to blame? Who's the average person going to blame? They're going to say, well, it's this grocery store. Uh And then you have people like Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and uh, Elizabeth Warren blaming the grocery stores. They actually name Kroger. But their, their costs are actually growing faster than the retail cost. Really what it boils down to, and most people don't realize it because the media doesn't tell them, is it's all started with these subsidies and this other government spending on the backside that worked its way through the economy. And if I may add something about uh, California's poverty rate, yes. it's not one of the highest poverty rates in the nation. It is the highest real poverty rate in the nation. And that's because you have to look at the cost of living. If you're just looking at income and comparing it to other states, yes, it's not the highest. But when you look at the cost of living, which the Census Bureau does through something called a supplemental poverty level, uh, poverty rate, it is the highest poverty rate in the entire United States, higher than Mississippi and other states that generally have high poverty rates. So how does California not collapse uh, financially with these sorts of mandates? And I want to go back to energy, you know, that you mentioned the shortage of available power and grid insufficiency. I noticed their last remaining operational nuclear power plant, I think it's Diablo Canyon, has been extended for five years and kind of a nod to reality, but that's not going to cover all this. No, it's not. I mean, you're dealing with the laws of physics here. They are big on wind and solar. And here's a very basic scientific fact solar panels don't produce energy at night <laughs> and when the sun isn't shining when there's cloud cover wind windmills don't produce electricity when the wind isn't blowing so they, they have to come to grips with reality what california is doing now is buying a, a good deal of its electricity from out of state uh. as if that solves anything the carbon dioxide is still emitted. It's a well-mixed gas, and their fear of global warming destroying everything uh, is not uh, abated at all by saying, well, we'll buy this coal and uh, natural gas-powered electricity and nuclear-powered electricity from somewhere else. Well, it's not a solution to the problem beyond the short term. Jim, let's talk about other states that have pledged, like Virginia, where I live now, that has pledged to follow California right down the rat hole. We're already hearing rumblings in Virginia that this is something the current General Assembly would like to get out of if they can. What's happening in other states? I have heard about Virginia and Maryland Uh, that have laws that uh, basically uh, oblige them to follow California. And I think the local people are going to sooner or later say, you have to stop this madness. I certainly hope so. So this is being sold as clean and green energy. And I guess the underlying narrative is, although this is the part they're not saying out loud, you just ignore the things that are coming out somewhere else. You mentioned Nevada power or other adjacent states, but this could be all the way around the world. They just ignore it like it's not happening. Well, the notion that electric vehicles are zero emission is rooted in a deceptive narrative that ignores all pollutants which don't come out of a tailpipe when operating. But assessing the true environmental impact of energy technologies requires measuring all forms of pollution they emit over their entire lives, not a narrow slice of them. And in fact, these are called life cycle analyses. And in 2021, the Journal of Cleaner Production conducted a life cycle analysis uh, analysis of electric cars and found that they produce 
more of every major category of pollutant than conventional cars. Talking about fine particulate matter, carcinogenic uh, emissions, non-carcinogenic toxic emissions, terrestrial ecotoxicity, freshwater ecotoxicity, it goes on and on and on. These are not zero emission. In fact, they're not clean in many respects. Tell us a little bit more about this Journal of Cleaner Production. Is this coming from a political perspective? Is this kind of a nonpartisan think tank? This is a a peer-reviewed academic journal. The thing that has to be realized about life cycle analyses is they're very complicated and there is room for uncertainty. So no single uh, analysis should be considered authoritative. However, what this clearly proves beyond a shadow of a doubt is these vehicles are not zero emission and they produce significant amounts of pollution. And before this result came out, there was a 2008 report by the European Environmental Agency warning that studies on the human toxicity impacts of electric vehicles were, quote, limited, and that electric cars, quote, could be responsible for greater negative impacts than conventional cars. So this was something that was foreshadowed and that was coming. Other other, uh, peer-reviewed journals warned of this over time. And what eventually happened is this comprehensive analysis came out, and the people that jumped on the electric car bandwagon before they had this data, they're just plowing ahead blindly as if these facts never existed. Now, you mentioned carcinogens, and I find this particularly interesting. There was a referendum on the California ballot many years ago, but it required now, if there are any carcinogenic items in products in California, that there has to be a special warning. I don't know if you've ever seen that before, but it brings uh, quite a conundrum here. If there's some carcinogenic problems with EVs, I wonder if they're going to have to put a label on it. (laughs) Well, here's the kicker, right? Yeah. One of the advantages of EVs is that they transfer pollution from densely populated urban areas in wealthy nations that can afford these vehicles to the areas where the vehicles are manufactured, charged, and disposed of. So they're not pollution reduction vehicles. They're, uh, they're pollution increasing vehicles and transference. They transfer that pollution to poor workers, poor communities, and the progressives who say, well, I'm, I'm clean, I'm green, and whatnot, all they're doing is shoving that pollution to somebody else. The Ceiling Show Unleashed podcast with Jim McGressy continues in just a moment. Join the revolution. Online at shillingshow.com. Borderhawk.news is a one-stop shop with the latest news about immigration, nationalism, and globalism. The Borderhawk staff daily curates immigration news stories and, in the fashion of the Drudge Report, updates the site with cutting-edge content and original first-class commentary. Borderhawk.news highlights national and international media reports, tweets and nuggets buried in local news blurbs, polls, video clips, and policy research. Borderhawk is pro-legal immigration, pro-rule of law, but against an unsecure border as countless Americans have suffered violence at the hands of criminal illegal aliens. And an increasing number of Americans are concerned about how mass migration affects their daily life. Borderhawk.news will remain on the forefront of the immigration issue with a buffet of info to read, evaluate, and share. Bookmark Borderhawk.news. Add them on social media at Borderhawk News on Twitter. 
Shilling Show Unleashed. We return now on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Our guest is Jim Agresti. We're talking about electric cars, and they are not zero emission vehicles. We were talking about kind of outsourcing the pollution, and this should be something that people are very concerned about who claim, as you mentioned, to care about poor nations and the workers in those nations. Why is there not a greater discussion of this in the United States, or are we just missing it? Uh, I think we're just missing it. I think the media is often complicit with whatever agenda the left is pushing. They will not give people a full view of the issue. Uh, Merriam-Webster defines science as systematic knowledge of the material world gained by observation and experimentation. And what the media and what progressive politicians and activists often do is just point to a very narrow uh, area and say, oh, science, science. We, we claim the mantle of science. No, it's not science when you're not looking at the broader picture. When you're just looking at emissions out of a tailpipe during one stage of the vehicle, that's the opposite of science. And not only that, cars have gotten so clean, their engines over time, that uh, the greater form of emission from cars right now is road tire and brake wear. And all these forms of pollution are worse in electric vehicles than standard cars because the electric vehicles are 24% heavier than their conventional counterparts. That figure comes from a 2016 paper in the journal Atmospheric Environment. And that would be now we require special tires and we require larger and special brakes. And of course, the heavier vehicles on the road, I understand where that would cause more road wear. These are all things I've never heard discussed outside of your excellent paper on the subject. So are these things going to be brought into the mainstream of discussion anytime soon that you could see? Has anyone else talked about it? Well, thank you for your kind words. And I've seen people here and there that have talked about it. Uh, there's a site I write for called What's Up With That, uh, Anthony Watts, and they're on, they are on top of this. But I have never seen this in any major media outlet. So I what, if it's going to get out, it's just a matter of whether or not people like you and I are successful in pushing this message beyond our, our core audiences. There's also great issues in manufacturing and mining of these rare earth materials that are required, particularly for the batteries. I heard the amount of lithium required for a single battery is, is astronomical. So how are we going to get past the manufacturing problems, and are we going to allow the mining of lithium and other sorts of things here in America? <laughs> so there's a 2018 article in the journal Environmental Research Letters, and it's stating that it stated that a failure to account for the environmental implications of lithium mining uh, to make batteries for electric cars, quote, would directly counter the intent of incentivizing electric vehicle adoption and needs to be urgently addressed. So, the, as we know, a lot of this stuff is made in China. China dominates the global supply chain for green energy components, not merely because of cheap labor, but because they have very lax environmental standards that tolerate the pollution these products create. Thus, China supplies 78% of the world's solar cells, 80% of the world's lithium-ion battery chemicals, and 73% of the world's lithium uh, battery cells. That's the world. That's not just ours. That's the entire world. So in 2022, the Brookings Institute uh, did a study, and they found that continued reliance on China 
is going to create some serious environmental harms. And what it also documents is that the U.S. and other wealthy nations have been unwilling to, un- to tolerate these harms on their own soils. You want to put a lithium mine uh, near some- in somebody's backyard? Watch the locals come out. So we've got this issue with China and being dependent on them, but there are political ramifications as well. I mean, we've seen what happens when China holds the keys to the supply chain uh, during the recent shutdowns of the pandemic. So it sounds to me like we, if we're not going to source it here, are there other places we could go? I am not aware of them. If there are, uh, they should be involved in the process already. They should be a dominant player or at least a, a, a strong player. And I'm not seeing that anywhere. Also, the European Environment Agency issued a warning on all of this, and it seems to me there's a similar push in many of the European nations to go electric only within the next 10 to 15 years. What did they have to say? What is their concern? There is not a widespread political concern. We've seen the same thing, Rob, with green energy, right? They were pushing this up until this past year. And what did they do? They simply outsourced that energy to Russia. And now they're in a hostile situation with Russia, and they're suffering. It's like these people cannot look forward a couple of years and say, hmm, so we're going to ban nuclear power plants. We're going to ban fracking. We're going to reduce our domestic production because uh, we want to be green, but we're going to keep using it. We'll buy it from Russia. Well, what happens if Russia doesn't like us one day? I mean, these are things that you don't need to be Albert Einstein to foresee, yet somehow they have to be hit over the head when they see it, uh, to to see it. It won't, they can't, they don't have the prescience to look forward and say, this is not a good idea. One of the biggest purported benefits of the EVs is a reduction so-called in greenhouse gases. So number one, Are we seeing an actual reduction in CO2 or other greenhouse gases that is measurable compared to ICE vehicles? Number two, is there truly a benefit of reducing CO2? Okay, so the 2021 paper in the Journal of Cleaner Production found that electric cars emit about 48% less CO2 than gasoline-powered cars. So that's a clear, quantifiable reduction as shown by this uh, LCA, life cycle analysis. It's not zero emission, but it's a reduction. However, there was a LCA produced by a German institute, and it found that an electric Tesla Model 3 emits 11 to 28% more CO2 over its lifespan than a diesel Mercedes C220D. So when it comes to diesel cars, there really isn't much of an advantage, if any. But whether or not this reduced it, let's just say electric cars could reduce overall CO2 emissions from cars by 75%. There's no clear evidence that's going to help anyone. And I'll tell you why. Contrary to the common claim from California Governor Newsom and many in the media, and you'll hear AOC use this term continually, there is no evidence of a climate crisis. Ever since people uh, had been complaining, hey, global warming is going to kill us all, which started about 30 years ago, scientists have been tracking a wide array of environmental and human welfare measures related to climate change. And guess what? They've stayed level or improved for more than three decades. I'm talking about foliage productivity, extinction rates, forest cover, 
agricultural production, coastal flooding, rainfall, droughts, hurricanes, tornadoes, extreme weather fatalities. No matter where you look, uh, you will find that these uh, indicators show no indication of a climate crisis. My concern overall as I look at these policies that don't seem to make sense and what appears to be happening in California, Jim, is that this is an attack, a government attack on American mobility and autonomy. Do you see any problems there? (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, when government starts taking away freedoms for what seems to be no good reason, I think there's grave reason to be concerned. And not only that, when they're lying when they're openly lying, unless Gavin Newsom is totally ignorant about electric cars, he knows full well they're not zero-emission vehicles. And and another uh, layer of deception he uses is he refers to carbon dioxide as carbon. Mm. Now, carbon dioxide is a organic, generally non-toxic, non-carcinogenic gas. It is not carbon, okay? Just like H2O, water, is not hydrogen. So he's using this form of deception, again, carried by people in the media, to make people believe we're talking about a toxic, dirty gas when we're not. Where do we go with this? What are the ultimate consequences if this policy is continued and adopted across America? I don't have to hypothesize. We can see the consequences in Germany. They're a little bit ahead of us on this. Their electricity rates are three times greater. Uh, than ours on average. Uh, California, their electricity rates are the highest in the continental United States, 77% higher than the national average. And, and what do they get for this? Do you, if you look at the list of the most polluted cities in America when it comes to air quality, it is dominated by California. Mm. The top one, two, three, four, five positions, depending on the pollutant, are all cities in California. So one has to ask, what is the trade-off here? Now, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of other factors that contribute to what's going on in California. We can't say, hey, this is all their green energy agenda is solely responsible for their high poverty rate or for their high pollution. There are many other things going on. But clearly, this is not going to solve a large-scale problem. It's not. In fact, we just see the problems are worse where these policies are implemented. So is this switch a fait accompli? Are we just done with the ICE vehicles and better get ready to own an electric vehicle in America? I I don't believe that. I mean, we're talking about prognostication here, and I do facts. But uh, unless something drastic changes with California, uh, excuse me, uh, electric vehicles, an improved technology, a better battery, uh, a better way to charge, uh, eventually there's going to be harms and things are going to have to cycle back, swing back and say, hey, this isn't working out. We need to do something else. Jim Agresti, if people want to get more information on the work you do at Just Facts or read this piece on electric cars, tell us how they can do that. So our main website is JustFacts.com, but this particular article is on our website, JustFactsDaily.com, where we debunk what's going on in the media and the popular narratives of the day with actual facts. It's very important information. I hope a lot of people will get it. Jim Agresti, thanks for joining us today on the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Rob, thank you for having me. 
That concludes another edition of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Visit us online at shillingshow.com where you can directly support this podcast by clicking on the Patreon banner at the top of the page and making a monthly donation. Your support is essential for the continuation of the Shilling Show Unleashed podcast. Until next time. Thank you.